3: As we continue to bask in the glow of Melbourne's first premiership in 57 years, we'll hear from their CEO today, uh, as well as a little bit from the parents of some of the key players involved. And there's a bit about the future of where the grand final should be held as well. Time on. Uh, yes, indeed. Very good evening to you. Welcome to Time On. Sam Hargraves, great to be with you and uh, hope you've had as good a day as you possibly can wherever you've been having it. So, wherever you've put it in, wherever you put it in, hope it's been as good as it possibly can be. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Time on, of course, your say on the news of the day. Would absolutely love to hear from you about anything that's tickling your fancy. Big thank you to anyone who got a test today, anyone who got vaccinated and all the frontline workers as well. Thank you for all that you do and we're getting closer and closer to that magical number, aren't we? And uh, hopefully it's here sooner rather than later. 0433 98 11 16. The Temper Text Temper, a mattress like no other. So, plenty to get through tonight. There's plenty happening in the world of trade as well as. Uh Trade week officially starts or free agency on Friday. So from 7 o'clock tonight when we just change into uh, trade evenings mode uh, there's a little different phone number for that period of time as well. Uh, But we're going to go into that stuff in a little bit more deeper detail between 7 and 8 tonight. So looking forward to Getting through the nitty gritty of the day, and trade radio is often flying uh, for another very, very big trade period. Uh 736 736 is the number zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen off the Temper Tech. So, uh, just in terms of trade, uh, one of those that's come through today is that Pat Lipinski, uh, who's played uh, 56 games uh, for the Doggies, he was uh, picked 28 in the 2016 draft as. Um, All reports asked for a trade. Um, The Western Bulldogs have... Um, released a statement and in that statement, they've said that they have been informed by Pat Lipinski's manager um, of his request to be traded uh, to the Collingwood Footy Club. The club's preference is to retain Pat as a Bulldogs player into the future and it tabled a three-year contract extension earlier this season as a show of faith in the talented 23-year-old. The club will enter discussions with Collingwood during the trade period to work through the possibility of a suitable trade arrangement. Um, so that is a big one. Uh, his nickname, apparently, at the Dogs is the Eclipse. Apparently, he's so good looking you can't look directly at him. Pat Lipinski. Um, so that's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on, and it will go into that top bracket. Um, he's pretty highly regarded. He's never he's just, just hasn't been able to cement a senior position in that team, but he dominates at VFL level and he'd be a perfect fit for Collingwood, you'd reckon, um, with the the running carry that he's got. So how the deal gets done will be interesting. We'll um, hear a little bit more about how that might occur uh, during uh, trade evenings a little later on this evening. But um, Bob Murphy uh, spoke about it just moments ago on Drive, on SEN. It's yeah. I'm sure it's with a heavy heart. With mm. Paddy, loves the club. He's um,
2: and he grew up a bulldog supporter. He can he can play, Paddy. That's mm. a, If he ends up at Collingwood, make five supporters. You got yourself a good one. Both so, inside the locker room and and out on the field. So, his, his potential is quite high. So, Paddy Lipinski. Uh, my view of him is that he's a. A mid forward. So he's quite big. Mm-hmm. He's got enormous athletic potential. So his his ability to power run and it was evident from his first week at the club, I remember mean, watching him train and think, gee whiz he He's got that racehorse ability to cover ground, nice skills. He's sort of jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, okay. Which, yep, yep. So that's, but also think about who who he's sort of fighting for his spot against. Mm. Who, who are the mid forwards at the Dogs? Mm. Josh Dunkley, mm-hmm. Adam Trelaw, mm-hmm. Bailey Smith. Mm. These are good players. Mitch Wallace, Mitch Wallace, Toby you know, McLean. Yep, like yep, there, yep. There's a whole a whole cluster of these types of players. And he's played some good footy there, Mm, but he's just been squeezed out. He, He would know, the people around him know, that he's too good a player to be languishing in the reserves.
3: Bob Murphy on Pat Lipinski requesting a trade to Collingwood, who we believe have tabled a three-year offer uh, as well. But the lure is the promise of more regular senior footy. And Steve Silvani, uh, Carlton Great, former list manager, was on with Gary and Tim for breakfast this morning, uh, and he uh, spoke about Pat Lipinski as well. I, I don't mind him as a player. I haven't seen a lot
4: of him. Obviously, he's the tall inside mid. So um, Coming yeah. through as a junior, though, did you rate him highly when he was in the under-18 competition coming through?
1: Oh, yeah, we, we certainly had him listed. I can't, yeah. I actually can't recall where we had him, but, um, yeah, he, look, we didn't have him in our top 10 or 20, but certainly he would have been in the top sort of 50.
3: Steve Silvani. We'll play a little bit more of uh, Steve Silvani to, uh, a little later on as well. He went through in detail about how premiership lists are built in relation to Melbourne, so that's definitely worth the listen. Matt Rendell's done that as well today, and we'll hear from him a little later on also uh, Eagle, Jared Cameron, uh, Charlie Cameron's brother um, as per use story, Sam Edmund writing um, that he has uh, requested uh, to leave uh, the West Coast Eagles and, and believing that, um, that he actually may not uh, want to continue to play football according to uh, SEN.com.au and wants to take a break from the game. Um, so, He's played, um, uh, what's he on? He uh, was picked 39 in the 2018 draft, 12 games and 13 goals in those 12 games. And and we've seen just the little glimpses of his electricity and what he can bring to the table. So um, that's a loss um, for the West Coast Eagles who really do can't afford to lose players that have uh, a bit of that dynamic nature about them given sort of how Boring, a brand of football that they played. With all due respect, this year they need players with a bit more X factor because they're quite a predictable team at the moment uh, in the way that they play. So that that is a big loss. I mean, it's not often you say that about a guy that's played 12 games, but we've just seen glimpses, haven't we, um, about how good he could be. One eleven sixteen. So uh, Melbourne CEO Gary Pert uh, was on. Today with Dwayne Russell, and it was a fantastic chat, and they covered a whole range of different topics. sen.com.au to hear the full chat, but he did address uh, Darren Burgess, the uh, fitness guru who has made Melbourne the fittest team in the competition. Who Adelaide confirmed today in a press release that. He will be joining them as their high-performance manager um, after the past two seasons with Melbourne. This is a guy that's worked in the English Premier League uh, with Arsenal. Uh, He was the director of high-performance and at Liverpool, where he was the head of fitness and conditioning, and he had two stints at Port Adelaide as well. He's been the head of fitness with the Footy Federation of Australia, um, working with the Socceroos. He's going to oversee their AFL and their AFLW programs as well, which is brilliant for the Crows uh, across both um, squads. Um, And you can just expect that um, in one to two years' time, like he's done with Melbourne, Adelaide uh, will be the fittest team in the comp. And and Adelaide, a team that actually beat Melbourne this year, and they beat Geelong as well this year. So they had some really impressive wins, Adelaide, and it was their ability to run uh, and use pace, put speed on the ball, that was impressive in those wins. So... If you're a Crows fan, that's a little rub-the-hands-together moment uh, and get a little bit excited about what the future may hold. Gary Pert was asked by Dwayne before that press release came out about Darren Burgess.
4: Oh, look, we've, we've made it very clear the whole way through. Um, Burge came to me last year. Obviously, everyone knows now that his kids have uh, um, are back in Adelaide now and, and it was highly likely that um, he was going to have to uh, you know go back and make that decision um, and I left it totally in his um, hands. Football's important but uh, time with your kids and your family is more important than that um, and he'll be he'll be going back and uh, we've been preparing with that we've had um, Selwyn's been working under uh, burjo the whole year and he'll roll into that position so we won't lose any momentum but i've got to say burjo committed himself and did everything we could have asked for in this year i mean we're basically apart from adam tomlinson we've had a fit list to pick from including the grand final pretty well every week and that uh with the competition so close that makes a big
3: difference hey that's what makes good clubs um when they know what the priorities are in life and that's exactly what Gary Pert was um, enforcing there uh, that there are more important things and and for him to be able to go home and be with his family uh, that's far and away uh, more important than uh, his work for the football club and his job is done I mean he's got them to where they you know he's set the bar for them he has set the standard for them he's got them the fittest club um, in the competition so now it's up to them to stay there. Um, you know, Mr Miyagi couldn't be with Daniel's son forever. Sooner or later, he had to stand on his own two feet or one foot, as it turned out. Uh, but you can only do so much. And he's done his job to a, you know, to a T. Um, he's delivered in spades for that footy club. So he would absolutely leave with their best wishes. Gary Pert also spoke about the emotions that he was able to share uh, with Gary Line, our very own, in the closing moments of the grand final. Well, I I was sitting in the
4: uh, stand with Gary Lyon because we were both at the AFL's corporate function in the last quarter when we kicked two or three goals in a row. And uh, Gary just, he he grabbed my leg and (laughs) I I just said to him, Gaz, you're about to hand the Premiership Cup to Goody and Gorney and we're going to be premiers and you know what we just sat there and I, gary probably doesn't want me to say this but the two of us just broke down and cried you know it was just an amazing moment and you just you, you just think about all the people back in melbourne that uh, we're sitting in their lounge room watching that have been hoping for this for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And, uh, yeah, it was certainly an emotional time for, for everyone.
3: Gary Pert um, giving us an insight into the emotions that were swirling around. Um, and we're grateful for that. And we've been able to, to tap into to Gary uh, every morning on SEN Breakfast to hear what it meant for him and, and, and we've heard from other people how they've been able to sort of live it vicariously through him, the Melbourne community that weren't able to be there so that's a, that's a great insight into a, a special moment from Gary Pert there one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Time on your say on the news of the day He also spoke about the influence and the growth of Max Gorn and, and what he means to the football club as a leader and as their captain You know, he's a character Um, I've I've never seen a a
4: player embraced by not only Melbourne supporters but um, just the whole AFL and sporting community and he's just a fantastic leader of the players he's a leader of the club Um, but I I think he's a great ambassador for the whole competition because if you meet Gorney you fall in love with him Um, you'd remember during the preliminary final when I think Gordon forgot that he was seven foot tall and he was running around like a midfielder <laughs> and the whole crowd was chanting his name. He's, um, he's becoming a bit of a rock star. So, uh, Look, we love him. He's had a super year. But while a lot of people are noticing how well he played, I mean, I've just watched him evolve as a leader from the end of last year to the premiership captain and... I know a lot of people talk about a lot of reasons why we've had this shift in performance. It'd be very hard to go past the evolution of Gorney as a leader and the impact
3: that's had, had on the whole club. I, I, think, he's been, I think he's been amazing. Gary Pert uh, on Max Gorn, and there's, he has entered that realm, hasn't he? And you're probably listening to that, and, and if you don't even Barry from Melbourne, you're thinking at your football club and who are those leaders that um, will sort of sit on, on a Mount Rushmore, if you like, of the most influential um, captains or, or leaders within your footy club. And that's what Max Gorn has, has propelled himself to now. And and you might be thinking at your footy club, you know, in the modern era, the Luke Hodges of the world, the, the Trent Cotchins. Um Joel Selwood, um but but even, you know, Tom Harley, who was part of that record breaker, uh he was the captain of the uh, of the drought breaker for Geelong back in oh seven. Um and then Lingy took the mantle. So there, he's he's put he's a he's now in a, a very special echelon, isn't he, Max Gorn, for the Melbourne Footy Club? And Gary Pert spoke about their coach Simon Goodwin uh, as well. And and Dwayne asked, you know, how close did Simon Goodwin come to losing his job when they reviewed the the football department?
4: Oh look, I don't think so. In terms of you know the the whole football program, we 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 do zone in on the coaches, but. Um, You know, I've talked to you about it before at the end of last year when I did a review. It's a review of the whole footy program um, and every aspect of it because it's that alignment and the combination of all the different roles. Um, And one of the things that come through really strongly is we've got this great, you know, player list and we've got a great leader that the players really buy into the game plan and the strategy and we just wanted to put uh, people around those guys uh, to get the best out of the playing group. And again, that, that's how it was looked at. And I think we're seeing the results. Um, I, I saw them immediately in pre-season and in the early games, that um, that combination was something that had great alignment and uh, was going to get the best performance out of the group. And it's been really fun to watch them this year.
3: So, Simon Goodwin, you know, we talk about Max Gorn and his place in history now. Well, Simon Goodwin sits alongside Norm Smith um, as premiership coaches and for Max Gorn, he sits alongside Ron Verassi as premiership captains for the Melbourne Footy Club. That's the company they keep now in the history uh, of that club. And and this was something that I found really interesting before we um, uh, go to a break and come back. This might have flown under the radar a little bit and it's maybe... It speaks a lot to what Melbourne have done to improve their culture as a football club. Uh, A little bit similar to, you know, the way that Brisbane Lions as well uh, would sit in this basket. But in an era of the new mega facilities that clubs are putting up where millions of dollars are spent uh, on state-of-the-art facilities and home bases and training um, venues. Let's not forget that Melbourne actually don't have... A, a home base or, or a set home base at the moment. They're still trying to figure one out and um, their, their people are at all different venues uh, from day to day. Uh, Gary Pert spoke about that with Dwayne. Well, that had to be up to the state government. If they fast-tracked it, I'd be uh, uh, more than happy. I've been working on it for
4: three years now. but I, I, Look, I, I just think the state government has been very clear. They get it, so does the AFL. Um, we've won the premiership this year and we're acknowledged at a government level and the AFL is we're clearly on the bottom of the ladder for facilities. Um, I think if I was to talk to anyone at the AFL, if I was to say to you now, I'll meet you tomorrow at the Melbourne Footy Club, um, basically you wouldn't even know where I'm talking about because we're in three, four, five different locations, Um, we're quite often having to move but it started we're we're starting the um redevelopment of our oval so we've had a really a junior size oval that we've been training on for the last 10 years and um in the next few weeks that's going to be resurfaced and enlarged to an mcg length and marble width um oval so that's a really big step for us and there's no doubt that we'll keep on pushing to you know, getting facilities, the admin, football, AFLW, a social club—all all a connection point for the Melbourne Footy Club, reflective of the other 17 clubs. And um, right at the moment, we're, we, we, we don't even have the facilities of a community club, which makes the performance of the players, you know, even more amazing.
3: Uh, it certainly does. That is something that uh, I think had. It- Sort of gone by the wayside, or maybe slipped through the, the cracks of our consciousness when it comes to just appreciating the achievements of this footy club, because it was, you know, the game itself and the performance was so dominant. You forget that they're nomads. That's that is that's just another layer to this, isn't it? One three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. After a raging success of a grand final. The conversation now has turned to, and we've had several people discuss it on the station today, about the sharing of the greatest day of the year and just should we be playing it at the MCG for the end of time or is there a better way to do it? Uh, I'll play what Gary and Tim had to say about it, Jared Waitley uh, as well, and uh, Craig Hutchison too. Um, And you can have your say on it, one 736 736 Time on your say on the news of the day on SEN.
4: Now, we all know and are aware of the contract that they have with the MCC, but do you think there's going to be greater weight and thought given or put into that as to how it could be done?
1: I do, but I also get a feeling that the MCC are going to have a pretty closed mind to it. They need to be very... Hutchie had this theory, I think it was Hutchie's, that extend the MCC contract by 50 years, Yeah. but as the trade-off for that is to rotate it every four years. Yeah. Uh, I would support that. Would you support that? I would, yep. I don't know whether the MCC would, but I would, having been there and seen how much it meant to the people and how big a job, you know, and it would mean that we appreciate it even more here in Victoria knowing that we're not going to get it every single time.
5: Yep. So here's a fresh 100-year contract yep. on, imp- on improved terms, but one in every four moves.
6: It did leave me with the feeling, and I've, I have long held this belief and the last fortnight has reinforced it, that that game should have left Perth on Saturday night and they go we'll see you in 16 years and in Adelaide they should be going we get a go at this in four years time I think it should run as an Olympiad one in four Ooh. should move its way around the country so that be every a good 16 debate. years or every 20 years it lands in your city be and if good we debate. want to retain afternoon at the MCG do and the other ones can all be at night elsewhere, so you get the, the mix of all of it. I know that the contracts preclude that, yep. but there's actually more money to be made moving it around with the 25% off for the Victorian government than there is in the current contract.
2: I'm more. I'm becoming increasingly interested in this as a concept. I'm all in. I'm, I'm not curious. All, right, okay, all in. Oh, you're, no. you're up for it. Why? Yeah. Why is it all in? Because it's a national competition. Well, the FA Cup get final gets played at Wembley every year. The Melbourne Cup gets run at Flemington every year. Why? Well, well, that, that Those traditions are perfectly sacred and seem to work pretty well for their sport. Feel, I think the other football states feel ostracised. And I think the mm. AFL is seemingly committed to growing the game in various capacities. This is a real way to to, to grow the game.
3: So... In order. Gary and Tim this morning on SEN Breakfast about rotating the grand final. Hutchie on the Sounding Board podcast. He does with Damian Barrett about how to restructure the new contract, a 100-year contract, but every fourth year is played somewhere else. Uh, Jared Waitley on AFL 360 last night talking about the fact that you could do this, extend that contract, as Hutchie said there, and you could actually, the the MCC could actually make more money out of this in the long term. Uh, And Bob and Andy debating the merits of rotating the grand final about where it could should be played and how could you uh, take the greatest show uh, of the year on the road? How often it could happen, when it could happen, and Jared speaking about if you want the tradition that every three years. Now, for three years in a row, you're going to have a day grand final at the MCG, and then on the fourth year, you would have a night or twilight grand final uh, somewhere else, whether it be Perth or Adelaide, um, maybe even in Sydney. Uh, Brisbane are getting a new stadium as well. When Tassie gets a team in, um, they'll have a state-of-the-art complex too, um, and there's a lot of text coming in about this zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. I'm absolutely open to it, and I think that is the way that you would do it every fourth year. At the moment, I love Grand Final Day at the MCG. Uh, I'm really keen on Twilight Grand Finals. I think you can get the best of both worlds there. I think it keeps the TV partners um, uh, happy that tip in uh, all the money and need to try and recoup it. I think it creates a, a unique experience. Um, But this is a way to try and keep as many people happy as you possibly can. And it is a national game now. The counter-argument is there's no stadium that comes close uh, to the MCG in terms of the capacity. But certainly as a facility, the Optus Stadium is as good as it gets. But you can't have as many people as you can at the MCG. But stadiums now will figure out a way to maybe expand what their normal um, uh, amount of people their normal capacity is, and about how to get extra capacity. We know that uh, Stadium has been built so that you can actually expand it. Um, but I'd love to get your views on it, one i am absolutely open to it. What do you think? Mark's in back to Good G'day, Mark.
7: Hey, Sammy, mate. A lot of people speak about things, but it's actually in theory and it's not in practice. So I like to talk about things in practice, in the real world. Now, let's look at last week. The weather in Melbourne sucked for the whole week. It sucked. And look at grand final day. It was 11 degrees. I hear people texting, oh, we can have it MCG, nice sunny, 210 start to whatever, 230 start. I was thinking, what planet are you on? Don't you remember what the weather was? Whereas if it was in, in Perth last week, they had 26 degrees every day from Monday through grand final day. Now, in a normal world, the borders would be open. So you would have had... Tens of thousands of Victorian supporters head over to Perth and they would have had the best week with the weather. They would have just had a brilliant week. And even the losing supporters probably still would have enjoyed themselves at the end and said, yeah, it was worth it anyway, even though we lost. So to me, it's a no-brainer. Like, people say one in four years. I'm an advocate for one in two years, mate. Once every two years, it, it moves and then it comes back to the G. And it alternates. But, you know, in the real world, Melbourne's weather in Grand Final week quite often sucks. And it makes a massive difference to the spectacle. Do you think we would have had the actual game we had if it was a wet and soft MCG with, a, with the wind? No way! Well, we've got that quality of game and that result. Even though dogs lost, big deal. We still haven't got that result and that quality of game, you know in
3: melbourne because of the weather so yeah mark it's a great points that you make i mean we can't bank on the weather i mean we've had some beautiful grand final days played in warm weather as well i mean no one i mean even meteorologists and with all due respect but that is the only job i know where you can be wrong most of the time and still keep your job uh and that's because it's so hard to predict that's not a crack at meteorologists that's just (laughs) that's just how it is uh it's the, the most difficult thing to predict in the world So we can't – whilst I hear you for this year, it doesn't mean that Perth's going to be beautiful every grand final day, but it certainly was this grand final day. Hey, Paul and Matt, stay right there. Uh, Your calls, your stay on the news of the day. And there's a ton of text coming through as well, which I'll read. Chris Scott,
6: a contract for 2022. and, And up until, I reckon, three or four days ago, I was convinced he was going to be coaching Geelong in 2022. Just to talk over here, Lotto, there's a lot of footy people still over here. I'm now not as convinced as, as that being the case. Um, again, Steve Hocking coming into the football club, there's obviously changes already being made. Do, do you see him coaching the Cats next year? Oh,
4: I, I have. You've just dropped a the bomb there, Damo, in the last show of the year. So you're not convinced that Chris Scott coaches Geelong next
6: season? I'm not as convinced as I was, Lotto. I mean, my, my opinion on it is that he, he does, but There's been enough talk, certainly over here in Perth, where there's some pretty heavy hitters amongst the uh, the AFL ranks saying to me that they're in doubt, that being the case. So I've spoken to Chris, I'll attempt to make a phone call to him this week, but um, clearly there's a, a change in place at Geelong, and even someone like a Harry Taylor, who was a, a great player for Geelong, I, I feel he could be someone the Cats are, are looking at to, to bring back inside the, the assistant coaching ranks. And if it's not assistant coaching, it's a, amongst that mentoring role that someone like he could play. But clearly, it's a club in transition of sorts, and it's just whether they go again with what they've uh, they've known now since 2011 with with Chris Scott as the main man.
3: Damien Barrett, uh, afl.com.au, access all areas with Matty Lloyd, not as convinced as he was that Chris Scott will be coaching Geelong next year. If he had to go one way or the other, he says he still thinks he will, but he's not as convinced as he was, and talks of change afoot, of and we know that Corey Enright uh, has left, Matty Scarlett as well, James Kelly coming back to the footy club, but certainly with a, a new CEO coming in and Steve Hocking, you get the feeling that there's going to be a reset uh, at the Cats and what that looks like and how they play the game and um, you know how they utilise their list, how they build, how they reshape their list. It's going to be one of the most watched spaces will be Geelong in this off-season, and they'll be uh, one of the big stories heading into the year, uh, you would think. Uh, The discussion, though, tonight is about the idea of moving the grand final around, and and I know it's a sensitive one. I just want to say this before we get to Paul and to Matt and the Texter to come through. It is a sensitive one, because It's been a really tough couple of years not having the grand final um, in Melbourne, especially when we've been locked down in the manner that we have um, over the last couple of years for grand final day. So I absolutely understand that. When we remove that part from it, though, given how great a job Perth did in hosting the event and how great a job Brisbane did in hosting the event, they did it proud and they did it brilliantly. Does it open the door for a way in which we could take that show on the road every fourth year or um, something along those lines? And it's starting to get a bit of a groundswell of support. Gary and Tim this morning, Jared Whateley on 360, Bob and Andy, uh, Bob more so than Andy at the moment, but Hutchie even coming up with ideas how he can restructure the MCG contract in a way that would make it more profitable for them in the long run as well. Uh, Now I want to get your thoughts. Paul's in Brunswick. G'day, Paul. G'day, how you doing? Oh, Look, well. I think, I think the, um, the the grand final
5: looked great, looked great last year, but we are in an absolute privileged position here in this state to have the game in perpetuity, and I don't think we should throw that away. I think it means a lot to the people of Victoria, and I think if COVID's taught us anything over the last year and a half, the the lack of cooperation between states on a, on a uh, on a political level. I just don't think we should be giving anything away. I think we, can take, we take the show on the road through TV rights. Everyone gets to watch it. No one could, could ever tell me that we don't create a spectacle uh, at the MCG with 100,000 people. I'm absolutely open to the idea of a Twilight Grand Final. And don't get me wrong, I'm a Brisbane Lions supporter. And I still don't want to ever see it go up, up north again. I think the game should stay here we're in a privileged position, we should keep it.
3: Paul, I appreciate the call and, and you make some really strong points and thank you for doing so. I would say on the flip side of that, one thing that COVID has shown us too, though, is how much this... We, we can sometimes get stuck in our Victoria bubble and what COVID has shown us is how much this game means to the people in the other states that love it and support it. I mean, that moment in the West was cherished. I mean, they ate it up. They, you know, they, we anyone who loves footy loves. We don't have a moratorium. We don't have, you know, uh, carte blanche and exclusive rights on being, you know, the the greatest lovers of the game in Victoria. What we've seen over the last two years is that it means so much to people in other states. And, yes, it started as the VFL and became the AFL, but it now very much is the AFL. And it is a national game. And for it to be the national game, with Rugby League looking to expand uh, and, and, you know, their TV deal... Their, their TV deal last time probably could have ended up being more than ours, but wasn't. Um, and when it gets done again, you know, their their product is a made-for-TV product. Ours is much better live. Um, but those are things that you, you, we keep into consideration. If we want to be the number one game in the country, um, those are things you've got to look at um, about being a little bit more diverse and maybe bucking trends that have held sway for many, many years. Um, I love... being a victorian and love the fact that the grand finals at the mcg and think the mcg is the greatest stadium on earth but i certainly can see the merits from a national competition point of view about you know one in every four years one in every five years that that we do um take the show on the road so to speak but paul you make some great points thank you for doing so matt's in mornington g'day matt
0: Hey, Greg, hey, oh, the, the, your opinion just then and the previous caller are, are, are interesting. I think one of the things uh, that hasn't been mentioned is, is financial. Um, if, if every four years it's rotated, it will give those local governments a chance to inject necessary funds to update their stadiums. We know the SCG's in dire need. Um, Western Australia and South Australia, they upgrade, upgraded their stadiums for their own reasons, but if it incentivises that upgrade. And I once, one, one more thing I will say, I think the experience in Western Australia versus Brisbane are very interesting. You've got a mad keen um, natives in the West. If it was held in Adelaide, it'd be just the same. Whereas in Queensland, we haven't quite got that growth yet. We're getting there, but I do agree with you, Sam. I think once every four years, it's a national competition. Let's grow it and let's, let's grow it big.
3: Uh, Matt, thank you. Really do appreciate the call. one three hundred seven 736 let us go through a few off the text uh, as well. Uh, Shane and Glenn Waverley, as, a, as, as fantastic a spectacle as Saturday night was, how can we even begin to fathom, let alone consider the idea of playing the grand final anywhere other than the MCG? Optus Stadium is beautiful, but only has the capacity of 60,000. That's 40,000 people who miss out. That's a sold-out gabba. If you factor last year's grand final, that's a full 100,000 people who were not bums in seats over the last two Grand Finals if footy and COVID has taught us anything it 's that nothing it, it, it is it 's that it 's nothing without the fans more fans means a better experience for those watching from home and those at the ground until the other states can build bigger stadiums keep it at the G some great points in there Shane and you 've done the numbers on that as well and our last caller who we just heard from there has pretty much addressed that Matt saying that if you give them an incentive to get bigger stadiums um, then they might be able to get closer to that magic number. Um, as well, but at the moment there we there 's probably not there 's nothing you know there's there 's no carrot for them to do that. What would they be spending that money on for um Good evening. Now let's talk facts. State government has the rights for 50 years or something like that. No story. Just a beat up. AFL loses how much? Rough 40,000. People say 220, a ticket, 8.8 million. Enough said. Cheers, Les. Um, actually spoken about how they can redo that contract so it actually is more profitable uh, for the MCC. Uh, But thank you uh, for your text. And it's not a a beat up. It's a a genuine discussion. We've shown, and the MCC has shown flexibility during COVID to renegotiate the deal. Um, They may, if you make something worthwhile to someone, they'll always have a look at renegotiating again it would be a matter of how you make it worthwhile for the MCC Um, don't forget WA is as much as a footy state as Victoria, I never thought I'd see an AFL grand final in Perth and we did a great job, the transition of the VFL into the AFL killed our local competition whilst it's taken 30 odd years I reckon it's fair compensation, cheers that's from Michael uh, in Salter Point in WA Uh, and before we get to a break, John on the road G'day John How you going? Yeah good thanks
5: I I don't see it's possible to start putting them on the road while there's a 50-year contract, because my understanding is that they've got to actually top up the MCC's coffers for giving the the game away this year and last year. And my rough mathematical brain tells me that 35,000 people less than the MCG equates to about a $5 million drop to the AFL um, in revenue for that game and I don't think they're going to give that up because the AFL is, stands for actually I want I think.
3: So, they will uh, if I... the States pay, John, and, and, and Queensland paid last year and WA paid this year as far as I'm led to believe. So they, you're 100% uh, right to bring that factor up but I think they do end up making more money when they do take it abroad.
5: Uh, well, I mean, if you, if you leave it in West Australia or you have a I've heard people say there should be a bidding war for the grand final. It'll be in it'll be in West Australia forever because I think
3: they're surplus. Oh no, no, John, nine, you, would, you, you This is about years. this is about how to do it on a rotation style system. It's not you don't open it up for bidding. What you do is is the idea would be that for three years in a row it's at the MCG, and then on that fourth year every cycle it's in a different capital city.
5: Oh, well, I can't. I, I, I just think... Where are you going to put all these people? And and, that, and that, they're not going to be able to build... They can increase the options, but they're not going to be able to get it up to 100,000. And the same with West Australia. Sydney will never get up to 100,000. I mean, the only place you're going to get 100,000 bums on seats will be the MCG. Are we, are
3: we being a bit... Um John, are we, are we just getting ourselves too locked into that 100,000 number? I know we want as many people to be at a grand final as possible, but we've got people texting in saying mostly it's corporate tickets anyway, so it's not the everyday fan that often gets to go. Um, are we are we a bit too locked into that 100,000 number? Do you think that it was lacking anything on Saturday night with sixty almost 62,000 people?
5: No, I it was a pretty good show. I didn't yep. like the entertainment, but I thought the game was done and they did it well. No, I wouldn't say they didn't do it well, but I just don't think it has the same heart as the MCG.
3: Oh, yeah. That's hey, I, w- I won't disagree with you there, John. Uh, <laughs> it is the, the the greatest place on earth uh, for me, the MCG. I, I truly hear you when you say that. Uh, thank you for the call. Daniel, Michael and Mark, uh, stay right there. We'll come back and um, take your calls on the other side of this. A ton of text coming through as well. Try to get through as many of those as possible. Time on, you'll say, on the news of the day, SEN. Yeah. Uh, Just before we get back to your calls, a couple of quick ones. Uh, Brisbane's Suncorp Stadium, it's set to create history when it hosts its first ever NRL Grand Final, Penrith and South Sydney uh, this weekend. uh, Not a not expected to be affected by uh, the COVID cases that were announced in Brisbane today. So there's been no change to that at the moment. Townsville on standby um, but uh, the expectation is that the grand final will still go ahead on Sunday, uh, October 3rd, the kick-off at 6.30 p.m. local time. Uh, The Marsh Cup game, though, between Queensland and Tassie uh, at Ian Healy Oval, Uh, that was postponed and will be rescheduled later in the year. Melbourne Storm have released a statement saying they're aware of a video provided to the NRL Integrity Unit yesterday. The club and the players involved are cooperating with the Integrity Unit investigation. As the matter is currently under investigation, the club is not in a position to comment further until this process has been completed. Corey Parker uh, on with me, uh, Brisbane Broncos legend a little later on tonight on the Sporting Capital. Adelaide FC have released a statement saying the South Australian Government's independent workplace safety regulator has cleared the club of any wrongdoing for the pre-season camp in 2018 and the Suns have appointed uh, former uh, Geelong Premiership player, 240 games in 15 years for the Cats and the Saints. Stephen King is their new senior assistant coach. Uh, Daniel, back to the calls in Elwood. Hello, mate.
0: Hey, hello, mate. Hey, Sam. It's been a while, mate. How you going?
3: I'm really well. Thanks for calling in.
0: Yeah, no problem. So, mate, first up, just thanks for a few great chats this year. You're my first SEN uh, bloke that I started calling into. Spoken to a few of your colleagues, but always a pleasure. And um, Thank you couple of other ones. Congrats to the D's. You know, I'm a blues man, as you know, but it was kind of heartwarming. And, and beyond that, good on them in the Richmond Footy Club for making a point about the behaviour. All those folks protesting on the Shrine last week. I thought that was great leadership and, uh, you know, wish my footy club and a few others did a bit more on that front. Um, yep. But, you know, it is what it is, eh? Hey, Sam, you know how you're talking about the MCG, mate? Yes. For the grand final. Well, you strike me as a bit of a history buff. Here's my two bob on it, right? Sure. So, I love the grand final over in Perth. I think it's great to give fans different states a chance to go. Put simply, the AFL, the game we know as AFL, it was created in the state of Victoria. Funnily enough, it's a private school boys game. Scotchy boys and Melbourne grammar boys, they started playing this game and then it blew up, right? It belongs to all of Australia, but this is where it was created. I guess my thinking on this is... You have the final day of the year at the heart of the empire. You play, you know, the the gladiators come to Rome for the big show. So for mine, you always got to keep the grand final here. The one thing that I've got as a little bit of a creative one, knowing that the AFL has been hurt as an industry with COVID, I actually reckon as part of honouring that history, they should say that if there's two big teams in there and it's a draw, then they do come back and play the next week. Because we know that that's a revenue windfall. It's obviously unfair to the interstate teams, but let's just call a spade a spade. Like this is Victoria's sport first and foremost. It is where it originated. It does have the biggest stadium, the Coliseum. Keep it that way. That's what it's meant to be.
3: Daniel, I love the history element. Um, Very nicely done. Uh, you lost me at draw. I don't think we ever want to see another one of those. But I do understand your point from a revenue discussion, mate. Hey, thanks for calling again. I greatly appreciate it. I'd spend a bit longer with you, but we've got about a minute and a half, and uh, Michael's been waiting patiently as well. Uh, Michael, hello to you, mate. Hey, Sam, how you going, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. That's why
1: right. I'll just be quick. So going against that call, I'm going to actually go the other way. I'm going to say we should have it out of Melbourne every... He... Two years, um, well, that might be a bit of a stretch, three or four. Mm. But if we're going to make it a national sport, it's got to go around. And I think my main point that I want to make is that it's it's difficult for the the people of Melbourne to grasp what it's like in another state because we've had these two COVID years and people say, oh, we can never have it away from the MCG. But the only difference, really, for me is. It's been the build-up of the week. You know, you can't talk to your neighbours you, or you can talk to your... You can't go around to people in the street, you know, the yeah. pubs the night before. The whole build-up is the part that we miss. And even if it was interstate, we're still getting that in a normal year. So I can't help but feel that the COVID's really sort of impacted the way that we're feeling about... Um, you know, the idea of having it move interstate every three, four years or, or whatever it may be. So, um, yeah, that's my two cents on it. I I'd certainly wouldn't be opposed to it being a national game and everything. I think it was a great spectacle. I, the, the players wouldn't argue that, um, you know, they wouldn't say they wanted it any differently. Uh, obviously, you know, had their family and friends there and stuff like that, but that would happen in a normal year. So that's, that's my take on it.
3: Um, yeah, Michael, I... I, I... Just, I get the feeling that you might be right there too. It is a tough conversation to have given how difficult um, and from a, from a community and, and, and life perspective the last two years has been not just a footy perspective, but those days like Grand Final day, amplify, uh amplify the struggle of uh, a long period of time in lockdown. So I think you make a really good point to that. And how would we view it uh, in the cold light of a, a normal day and um, a, a normal way of life again? Maybe some opinions would be different. So I do understand that it's... Uh, you know it, it's it is a contentious one at the best of times, but let alone when it's been um the way it has been for us for the last couple of years. There are hundreds of texts that have come through, and I'm so sorry we haven't been able to get to all of them. Um, we're going to change tack, and uh, Trade Evenings is up next. We'll take you through every uh, bit of news that's come through from Trade Radio today from the very start of the day till the end. Uh, the different phone number for that one, one 48 uh, and then I'll be back with the Sporting Capital uh, as well uh, until 10 o'clock. But we'll turn to Trade Evenings up next.